While the sleigh bells ringing. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I'm up slightly bit early. It's it's early for me. Just you know, there's nothing going on today that's going to prevent me from doing coverage. Fortunately, so I wanted to go ahead and get this out of the way and this treat this not as a daily update because I know I said yesterday I'm not going to do a daily update. I'm not. This is an out of cycle update, which I haven't done in a while. But I felt it was important to do this for a certain segment of the crypto community. I felt it to put on myself to just talk about it. This is a very special episode, and it goes to the Kishimoto Inu community. When I say community, I'm not targeting this at the devs. I'm targeting this at the anybody who's holding, anybody who thought about holding, anybody who recently sold, anybody who has been involved with that project. In past episodes, I've not done a direct, you know, specific update about Kishimoto. I thought I did, but apparently I didn't. Um, I was looking back at my history tree. I don't see that I specifically did. It might be that I did it and did not post it because I wanted to do more research. But just to kind of give you a little bit of framework about Kishimoto. Um, I've been a Kishimoto holder for a little bit of time, not extensively long. I pretty much bought in when they got on the Binance Smart Chain because, uh, as I've said on frequent occasions, I'm anti-gas fees and... Kishimoto has launched on Binance and then the Phantom Network. And that's opened up some more avenues for people to get in that don't want to get ripped off on gas. But it's got, I would argue, one of those communities that um, is, it reminds me a lot, honestly, of SHIB. In the old days, it, it brings back, I don't want to say good memories, but it brings back significant memories of the way SHIB was. And, and it was that memory when I woke up this morning that inspired me to just go ahead and do this episode targeted directly to them but if you're not in kishimoto and you weren't aware of it take this as kind of your awareness update as well because i'll cover some fundamentals too to the community at large there are three things i want to point out because i apparently i've never i've never done an update to you as i thought i had and you know i'll slap myself on the back of the hand because i could have sworn i did do a kishimoto update and if i do stumble across the episode that I did do an update on, then I will share that back out to you guys just so that you have all, you know, all areas of coverage thus far. You know, I've done my best to try to inform people about newer underdog tokens and Kishimoto, I would say certainly fits in that uh, categorization, but I know that there are, there are a lot of, there's a lot of FUD in the industry. There's a lot of challenge with getting new new investors, especially because there's a change in the perception of different cryptocurrencies and how they are received, right, by new traders. But I also think, and this is point number one that I would make about uh, Kishimoto Inu, I also think that the days of Inu are gone. I think that they they've had their day. They've gone a long way towards um getting more eyes on the product on the brands and i think it's just kind of that fad scenario just like pogs just like teddy rutspin you know just like hello kitty all these fads that kind of come and go it's like popular now and then it kind of goes away and remember all of that was brokered off of the, the tweet from elon musk and doge and all this nonsense that was where that came from well that's that's lost its novelty because if you notice ages ago there was a situation where somebody like an idiot asked Elon if he was holding SHIB and he was like, nope. And then all of a sudden SHIB tanked, but then 
it dipped right back up where it was. So I think we're past, hopefully, <laughs> the era where this Elon dependency is going to be at the forefront of anybody. But I do know that a lot of these tokens are still putting out these stupid sweepstakes talking about, yeah, 400,000 to give them sweep, deep, deep, deep. And I wish that would stop. And I wish that there would be a self-dependency. You know, win on your own merits, succeed on your own merits, market on your own, get the word out on your own, and realize it's hard. Not only is it hard, generally speaking, it's hard in a bear season, certainly. And I think there's this assumption that we should just be growing up and up and up and up and up, which goes to my first episode that I will point you to, which is the you don't want tokens to just go up and up and up and up and up. It's not natural. It doesn't make any sense. Just like hold, hold, hold doesn't make sense either. You have to have traffic. You have to have volume. There has to be transactional activities in order for tokens to thrive. When you see a token that is on a downtrend, those downtrends are actually healthy. You don't want it to go for an extended period, but I did see a number of people that were talking about, you know, they were 6000 down or whatever. I don't know if that's $6,000 or whatever it is. This goes to my second update, which is stop YOLOing into projects. I understand and I respect your belief and faith in anything. It doesn't matter if it's the most solid project in the world. Please stop YOLOing into projects. I, I get it, but stop doing it. It doesn't make any sense. I'll tell you why in a second. But stop YOLOing into projects. You're just creating your own risk. You actually have yourself to blame because you're putting yourself in a precarious position and then your finger is to point the blame elsewhere other than to yourself, rightfully so, that no, I should not have tossed my life savings or whatever it was at a project with no certainty that it was going to succeed long term. The truth is you saw an X number of zeros and assume that at some point it's going to succeed. I'll get to why I say this in a second, but if you're going off the zeros and you YOLO in when there's a lot of zeros, you're doing it wrong. And I'll tell you why in a moment. Now, here's the important part about the third angle, which is ego. I always criticize projects when ego, I see it, obviously the ego is coming to play, but it, uh, the same is true for any investors. I'm encouraging investors by and large, I don't care if you're a current holder, past holder, doesn't matter. I'm encouraging you to recognize when your ego gets in the way of decisions. What do I mean? There are people out there who have said the devs don't care on Kishimoto specifically, but I see this elsewhere too. And I understand why you feel the way you do. I, I truly understand it. But I, I will emphatically disagree. In majority of cases, it's not that the devs don't care. There are certain situations where that may be true. But the vast majority of the time, it's not. The vast majority of the time, what happens is you have developers who have their own ego in play. And they believe what they want to do is the right answer. And they will go forward under confidence that they're doing the right thing. And I called out that I believe that every single token provider should ultimately be treating their investors like their boss and they should be listening to their investors. Well, I talked about in a previous episode that the DAO is kind of that, that fine line balance to try to get the voice of the investor and then use that balance to drive change. The unfortunate truth of DAO is, of course, you have to pretty much be a whale in order to affect the, you know, the direction of the token in most cases because it's a percentage of stake, right? If you only have less than 1% of the total stake of the population of tokens, your vote's going to matter less, and that means that you'd have to win out by way of popular you know, truth. Well, that doesn't sit well with a lot of people, 
but it's no different than going on social media or Reddit or whatnot and saying, hey, we think this is the right answer and we should do this and not really being heard or believing you're not being heard. I don't see it as any different. It's just the nature of the beast. You, you're going to have developer projects where they're going to do their own thing for their own reasons. That doesn't mean that they don't specifically, you know, that your in, input and your ideas are not of value. But I also think you have to make smart decisions for yourself as an investor. And for whatever reason, there's a, I guess, an apprehension to vote with your wallet, meaning just don't invest in a project. You know, if you, if you don't see it's doing what you want it to do as an investor, don't vote, don't, don't, don't buy in, like don't contribute to it because it doesn't make any sense that you would, and I call it the chicken little effect. You know, you buy into a thing and then after you buy into a thing, then you don't, you know, you, you just complain about it all the time because it's not doing what you want. If it's not doing what you want, you should not be bought into it. Uh, I'm being honest here. You shouldn't be doing that. So if you don't believe in it, then don't stay in it. Like it's really that simple, right? Um, and I don't know what it'll take for people to be brave enough, honestly, to do that, to just say, you know, I don't believe in it. It's not what it's not doing what I want as an investor. It's no different than the stocks, right? It's like, and, and it's not a FOMO. You just see that there's something that either morally or otherwise disagrees with you and it's not what you want. And so then you go another way and you don't, you just don't invest in it. I'll give you a perfect example for mine. You know, I've had, I had, uh, ID finance on the uh, Ethereum side, I had a lot of it. And I sold the vast majority of it off because I didn't believe in the, you know, where they were going. But then they released the Binance side. And I took some of those profits that I realized and I bought back into the Binance side and just sat on it. Now it's not skyrocketing performance and I don't expect it to, but I I see that they were trying to course correct and they were trying to make things right. And it's I knew that it was going to be a long haul because they're coming from behind because they made a bad decision when they gave money to that idiot Vitalik and then he basically pulled it. He basically cashed it out, which tanked the value. Well, they shouldn't have given money to that idiot. They were trying to bank off what happened with SHIB. And that's why I keep saying I want tokens to stop following that because you're just going to harm your investors. You need to hang on your own two feet. Now I say hang on your own two feet. That's exactly what Kishimoto, by and large, there's been some exceptions, but by and large, that's what they've been trying to do. They've been trying to succeed on their own, but that means that they also have to have the same pains that other tokens who succeeded on their own have had to go through. This is what I think is is not getting across to certain people about why that makes sense. And so here's my high-level spiel, and then I'm going to go into the mechanics of the token and why I've been bullish on it since the day it launched because I want people to try to understand the thought process behind why I'm speaking to investors today whether you're investing in it now or you're thought, thinking about doing it, maybe you're skeptical about doing it because you're looking at the charts, there's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a trick, there's a, a cheat, right, that the various graph orgs are doing. I talked about this before. All of them do it, whether it's CoinGecko, CoinMarketCap, Coinbase, Binance, all of them do it, which is that the graph that you see is designed to get you to react. Because, as I said, volume and transactional activity are what make token volumes, uh, numbers, and prices move. So if there is no transaction happening, the price doesn't move, and that's what nobody wants. So what they do is they default you to the one-day or seven-day charts. And if you were to look at any of them, I don't care which freaking coin it is, any of the one-day or seven-day charts 
for any coin you can think of that's not Bitcoin, and even Bitcoin's having issues, or urine.finance, and even it's having issues, you're going to see something that's a bit frightening. You're going to freak out, and you're going to become a shake and shibble because you're assuming that the world is crashing. What you have to train yourself to do is always zoom out the chart. And you, listen, if you don't believe me, I, I challenge you to just web search, zoom out the chart. Just web search it and see what you get. You have to train yourself to ignore one day and seven day. Focus only on, I would argue, three month and greater. Why? Number one, we're in a bear season. Because we're in a bear season, that activity is going to be down because it's a bear season. But that's not representative of the overall token's performance. It simply means that within this period of time, we had some issues. It happens. But more importantly, when you zoom out, you also are forced to take into account the age of said token. Now, I want to put something in perspective here. And here's your call to action. Go and look at SHIB's chart and zoom it out to year to date. When you look at that chart, just visually, just the, the peaks and valleys and the visual appearance of that chart, then I want you to ignore everything, let's say, up to Octo uh, uh, everything October and after. So I want you to look at basically January up to, you know, end of September. And what you're going to see is a graph that has a, you know, a slight uptrend, a significant spike, then a downtrend, downtrend, downtrend. That's what you're going to see. That represents when it had its original all-time high. Now, that original all-time high, ironically enough, is currently on SHIB. We're just beneath that number. But it took that long, if you look at the time span, to even get back close to that number. Now, remember, for those who aren't going to follow the graph, but you should, because it visually makes better sense as I'm describing it if you follow along and look at it, but if you watch it, it took SHIB months to get back to its all-time high. I'm talking months, not almost a year. It took a long time. Because, and, and remember, SHIB has no burn to it. Uh, it has transactional burn, but not automated burn. It doesn't do reflections. It did not have significant utility. It only started succeeding because it, yeah, it got a, an organic community behind it with a lot of different people buying into it and believing in it. And then ultimately, it was able to get to a point of strong sustainability where now it's able to beat certain resistance points. Now, I want you to look at the fourth quarter of this year. You will see that SHIB got to a super high, really, uh, I'd say unrealistic high, and then it crashed. Why? Because the coin market cap issue happened where the volume was misrepresented and as a result, calculations were wrong, which means the price was wrong all that time. And then you had FOMO sells because of the price crash. So on, you had a cascading effect happening. Now, when you think about what happened with SHIB and the fact it took months, remember SHIB has been around for a year. So it's been around a long time. If anybody listens to what I'm about to say next, and they have data that contradicts what I'm about to, what I'm about to say, I want to smoke, you can bring it. I, I challenge you to submit it. I will. This will go out on Twitter and everywhere else. I'll even share it to the Reddit community. Anywhere somebody has information that contradicts what I'm about to say, and I'm basing it on the current data of what I see, I challenge you to, I want smoke, bring it. 
according to all data points I see, what we currently know of as Kishimoto Inu has been around only since, as far as data reporting, only since October of this year. That's two freaking months. And in the two-month span, the two-month span's graph, if you were to take that visual and you overlaid it with Q1 to Q3, for those who are math disinclined, that is nine months. If you took the two-month span of Kishimoto and overlaid it over the nine-month span of the beginning of this year, you will see the exact same spike. You will see the exact same downtrend. Let me break down what that should mean to you if you're following along here. That means that Kishimoto, in just a two-month span, was able to have the same performance as what took SHIB nine months to do when SHIB had already had a strong community. At that time, it already had a significant community behind it, but it has no auto burn. It has no reflections. It didn't have any hard, hardly any utility for at least four months. And I want you to contrast what Kishimoto brings in terms of the fundamentals that they have tried to work towards. Number one, and this is top of the list for me, for any token I look at, community. They have worked to try to create a community aspect to the token. They have worked to try to involve the community. I saw the the whole, there was a some sort of contest for the artwork and different things. They have communicated through social media outlets. They have not stayed silent. I see that there's various voice chats and video chats. They have tried to be involved with the community way more than SHIB ever was back when it was on the first tank after the first all-time high. It's not close. So right there, you've already tried to create the impression that you care. Now, there are more. there's more things to think about there, but the point is that it looks like they've tried. It looks like they put effort into it as opposed to just kind of toss the coin out there as many did. So then second, and again, two-month span we're talking here. I want to keep emphasizing this because I don't think it's resonating with people. In a two-month span, Kishimoto was able to move the price to the point that it was that it was significantly higher value than SHIB until it started going back down. But the point is it was able to do it. At its all-time high, you were down to eight zeros. Yes, it's back up to, what is it, 10 zeros now? But at its all-time high, it was able to go down to eight zeros. I don't know if you're paying attention, but let's do another let's do another exercise because I find this rather fun. Satama, who I frequently speak about. Satama, as a token, has a very similar tokenomics in terms of the burn and the reflections. Yes, we agree this. Satama has been around for a few months, but it has it's been along certainly longer than Kishimoto. It's been around since June timeframe. In June's timeframe. It was 10 zeros deep. It's all-time high, which was an aberration because there's a lot of other factors at play, took it to six zeros, but it's currently at seven zeros, but it took it roughly six months to get to the point of dropping three zeros. Let me summarize what I just told you because I know that there's some that are not going to be resonating what I'm saying, either because they don't want to or because it's hard to grasp. But if you watch it, if you look at the graphs and you overlay this, it's common sense to you. Here's how it boils down. 
you have to look at the time span of these different activities and these different operations to really know what it is that you're looking at in any investment. I don't care what it is. Kishimoto has only been around for two freaking months, according to data reporting, two freaking months from the time that it initially launched with the 10 zeros in front of it. It was able to get to the point where it was able to drop drop some zeros and it's back down, I believe, now where it's got the 10 zeros again. But it's not like significant time has passed. You're talking two months. And the unfortunate truth, Kishimoto launched right in the middle of a bear season. So I know it's difficult because you're seeing red because you're zoomed into the chart at one day or seven day because that's what they want you to do. You've got to train yourself to zoom out and you've got to train yourself to think about time. Every crypto is a long haul. They all are. If you just care about quick cash, then you would have cashed out when it hit the all-time high and just left. You didn't do that. You held for the long. But two months isn't long, people. You've got to give more time to this. And I don't know where we got to the notion that two months is long. Two months is not long. Two months is extremely short. Now, if I, some people talked about the general price performance of the token. Certain tokens will have a harder time of it because of the way that the token is built. And by which I mean, if you look at something like Rich Quack, it has significant performance in terms of price moves, positive buy and sells, but that's because it's easy to get quick cash out of it. Nobody's really holding, I don't think, Rich Quack. People are really transacting it. They're using it for buy and sell, and it's going up and down and up and down, as expected. Even now in the bear season, it's I see it goes up on, on occasion and goes down, and then I just collect the reflections and cash out profit because that's the nature of the way the token just happens to work. Certain tokens are this. Certain tokens are long haul, and when I say long, I want to stress, I'm talking minimum five months. If you are trying to hold a token, you've got to stop staring at them, number one. Now, if we look at Kishimoto's other aspects and the things that they are trying to bring to the table, you also need to reconcile that this is not a project that is going to appeal to the mass population, meaning that they have built the token. As I said, it depends on how the token's built. They have built a token to predominantly attract a certain core audience. This core audience happened to be number one anime lovers. I would say predominantly Japan, if I look at it and I'm being honest, but there are anime lovers all over the world. The problem is that anime is a very specific science and it's hard to attract anime holders unless you have anime girls, which is why Safe Cat Girl and Cat Girl and all those other ones were able to attract a lot more attention, but then they turned out to be scams. NFT, I heard, I saw somebody say NFT is done. No, it's not. NFT is just actually warming up. We have just, we've not scratched the surface of it. And listen, I've been a big NFT critic, but I recognize that there is a market out for it, especially when you're able to couple it with popular known things. Like if somebody were to find the people who built Valkyrie Crusade, which was a mobile game that shut down finally after they had ruined it for years, if somebody were able to find, there's one, uh, artist it's a lady some find her and her art was stellar if somebody was able to take her artwork and build an nft game that is valkyrie crusade 
you could make millions, millions for everybody involved. You know, I digress. Anyhow, they have targeted to a specific market. That means it's going to be a bit difficult for them to make significant inroads because anime is a saturated space. There's a lot of it. There are a lot of different types of animes, and there are a lot of anime tokens, right? So that's a challenge. You're also in direct competition with other tokens that do the same thing. Shirio Inu comes to mind, which I'm also bullish about that one for the same reason, really. Things that I think will help it is being on Cytomask, if only because people like myself and others that cover diverse portfolios, there's no reason not to buy into it if you're in the same ecosystem or treated as in the same ecosystem. You have exposure by way of this. If you're on other platforms like a you know, Shiba Swap or others, that may add some exposure. Ethereum gets kind of in the way. So they created the Binance chain alternative. They created the Phantom chain alternative, and then they created a bridge to get through Binance. That means they're trying to, in, you know, improve how you can get access to it. That gets rid of the challenges with gas fees. And their tokenomics, the fees for tokenomics are not terrible. The burn mechanic is pretty decent. The burn mechanic is basically the same as what Satama had. The difference, though, is that it's two freaking months. And I can't stress that enough to people. Two freaking months. Like, you got to give some time on the thing. As far as I can tell... I'm not sure if this is accurate or not. I'm going off what I see. As far as I can tell, they've done a pretty good job as getting on exchanges. So that's one. There needs to be more of a marketing outreach. They do have a currency set aside for marketing. It looks like they're doing aggressive marketing pushes. But again, remember that the target audience is very finite. It's not the world in general. Like if I look at SHIB, SHIB doesn't appeal to any one different group or person. It just is what it is. And kind of the thing is this organic community aspect of dropping zeros and, you know, generational wealth and everything else. Same with Satama. Satama is really focused on financial education and the, the, and these are utilities in a way, but the token is not built directly around one core audience. You understand? So those tokens will have an easier time of it than something like a Kishu or a Floki where all they have to bank on is a organic community growth like SHIB and it takes longer for that to grow and develop and cultivate. You're not going to get it done in two freaking months. Now, let me talk about the VPN that's coming, Ninja VPN. I'm intrigued by it. I don't think that it's a bad thing. Um, it's a slightly saturated space. The problem with many of the VPN providers out there, and this would potentially be true as a game changer if they could pull this off, every VPN, almost every VPN provider has secret agreements with certain governments that they are going to collect and expose certain levels of information to certain governments because they don't want to have criminal activities. If this is as presented truly as anonymous by way of the you know blockchain or crypto however they're planning to do that and i see that they're banking it off the purchase but it has to go into the it's not about purchase because that's only part of it it's also about the, the traffic the what's logged what's transacted you know what ips are issued there's a lot to it more than just the purchase so when they say anonymous if it's truly anonymous as in there's simply zero way that you can identify a thing i think they're going to get attacked by certain governments but if they can pull it off and not get attacked, well, that's an awesome thing. 
that that's a game changer because it means nobody nobody's solved that problem to date. That is going to get eyes on the product if it's advertised correctly. And I also would spin the advertisement angle for them if they're listening to think about if you spend a hundred thousand per month on marketing initiatives, has there been any discussion or an analysis as to what's worked and what's not worked? And by worked and not worked, I'm not talking just about volume increase and holder increase. I'm also talking about how many times have people viewed certain things, right? So click rate, click through, um, views, all this data should tell you something of what's working and what's not. I will say this, some things work better than other things in general. Angie did a, they did, you know, billboards and all that. And a lot of tokens have been doing billboards and in the buses and all this. And, and they've done massive social media outreach. And then they've had some challenges growing. So you got to think, okay, if a company like Angie, who's done a pretty extensive outreach and they are not targeted to any one group, they are one of the more diverse ones and they have less in their supply too. So it's easier to drop zeros, but it's also, less profit potential in the long run. But even they've had challenges with sustained growth because sustained growth is not healthy. That's what I would message to the investors or potential investors or past investors is it's there's a science to marketing that goes beyond just putting it up there and kind of hoping and praying. There's also that organic community aspect and the word of mouth and getting more eyes on the product and getting more voices involved and from what I can tell, I don't see that there's anything completely wrong with anything Kishimoto's doing. I think what they're experiencing is symptomatic, just primarily symptomatic of the fact that they are targeted to a very specific thing, very specific thing, um, and, and core audience. And that's going to make it trickier and a little bit more difficult to uh, try to figure that out. I think it'll be resolved in the long term, but I don't know, I don't know big picture what that means. And then I'll close up with the audit. Um, cause again, I did not previously apparently do a review of the token, but I want to talk about the audit. Um, they are an audited, um, project. I didn't look at the code directly, but I looked at what they, uh, found. Um, this was done by spade solidity, solidity. Um, but the, it's not a certic based audit, so there's not a lot of detail in the audit. They do go through the details of what they cover and what they classify and everything. Um, there were a couple things that they found that I would not, uh, I'm, I'm glad they found them, but I don't know that there's much, you know, to them. They were more about the performance aspects, you know, how much gas is used and, you know, that type of thing. It, it was really they didn't have anything that was a critical, but it's also, you know, the nature of solidity. I don't, I don't think solidity is the be all end all for audits. The, I would love to see a certic audit for these guys to see the contrast, to know a little bit more uh, about it. A lot of the things I would concern, consider high concern is would be things that they have called out solidity that they've called out as non issues, but I think they might be issues potentially. And there's not really a, there's not really, there's not really a good answer, I guess. So summary, what I am saying to you from my perspective, 
I remain bullish on Kishimoto personally as an investor since it launched. And I would message that it's not, I don't think that it's fair to trash them this early in the process when it's only been two freaking months. I do think I would like to see a CERTIC audit because there's more to it than just optimizing gas. Uh, you know, there's more to certain fu functions and methods and, and red lines and things. I did not see anything that was overtly concerning in what I saw of the code or the tokenomics. The human aspect will always come into play. From what I've seen so far, I've seen nothing but good faith from the team in terms of the communication they tried to do and some of the initiatives they tried to do. And I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's much more that they could do at this point, honestly, without a complete rebrand. And if they do a rebrand, that would mean a migration to a different contract, but they may not see anything wrong with the current contract. So if they see nothing wrong with it, they may see no reason to rebrand or change, or maybe they simply believe in the current way forward. And that's their prerogative. It's their token. It's their project. It, if it were me personally, if I were advising, um, I would potentially consider, because I think the multiple networks helps a lot. I would have considered potentially some sort of a rebrand that does not, something that does not directly focus on anime, but indirectly uses anime as its kind of its guidepost so that it's still part of the ecosystem. So for example, perhaps it's, perhaps it's a token that focuses on art, right? Just artwork, the various types of art. And then one of those happens to be anime style art. Now what you can do is you can engage with different anime artists to provide their work for sale as NFTs. And as people buy them, you pay them from the end of, they can basically make their own business revenue. That's how the person that was doing the Valkyrie Crusade art, there was a number of different artists they contracted with to provide artwork for the cards that were used in the game. Well, now you can incentivize them, but you also give great artwork that's collectible. And part of the problem with something like Valkyrie Crusade was when the game shuts down, you know, if you had invested thousands of dollars in this thing, as many did, I did, right? You got nothing for it because there's nothing tangible that you own. But if you do it in an NFT, now I think there's a huge gap that I, I believe is going unnoticed by many of the providers. So I don't criticize the NFT push. I think it should have ideally tied to a higher level art style token as part of the owner umbrella ego. And then underneath it, ones that's anime, maybe one that maybe one that's like, different uh, landscapes one it's something else so that now it appeals to anybody and everybody it doesn't matter what kind of art you want we have different types of artistic nfts in play then i would have done the vpn potentially as a separate token in the ecosystem that is complementary to the main one and i would have possibly done the liquidity because i see the liquidity is coming from the transactions on Kishimoto, the challenge is that if Kishimoto's value is down, it harms the potential liquidity pool. So what I'd normally like to see is a separate token that powers liquidity and funnels it to the other tokens that's at a, a more constrained inventory so its price movement is faster. That's what the SHIB ecosystem eventually did with Bone and Leash. So I'm not criticizing that they made the decisions. I'm saying that possibly one of the things to have thought through and if they do decide to do any sort of rebrand or change a marketing strategy or something else is kind of think about it from a higher level, 
rather than focusing too heavily on one core group, which is not bad. It's just it limits you then because if that group's not ready to buy, they're not ready to buy. All of what I just said, I remain bullish about Kishimoto as I've been bullish about every other project. And I want to stress the thing's two freaking months in. I think you need to give it a fair chance. I understand it's been a little bit of time to you, but it's not been a lot of time. It has not. From what I can see of the data tracking, it has not been a long time um, in the thing. And if it's only been two months on, say, coin market cap, that means it's only been two, mar- two months that it's been aware to people. So I don't think that's a long time regardless. Even if it's been around for eight months, it doesn't matter if nobody knew about it for six of those months, you follow? From a tokenomics perspective, you have essentially, not exactly, but essentially the exact same mechanics as Satama, which I think makes it a really good fit, compatible fit with Cytomask. If they can future state connect it to the Cyta community, the Wolfpack, then you have the opportunity to increase the holder count at a low cost. I also think that potentially rethinking the higher level strategy to something that's just art in general rather than specifically to one token might help. But I otherwise would not change anything of what they're trying to do on the community side. I believe that they they care about the investors. I think that it matters to them. But I also, as I look at the graph, I don't see anything that's of overt concern. It's the same exact performance in two freaking months that SHIB had in you know, shortly, shortly around nine months. So why is it that with SHIB, they were willing to wait and certainly SHIB had sellouts, but generally you had people that were willing to wait and then eventually became millionaires when the thing recovered and was able to go back up. It took SHIB nine months to do what Kishimoto's now, just now two months in doing. The velocity and the the, the way that it's performing, I, I treat it as bullish. And I've said it before and I'll wrap up. When you see price down, your instinct is to sell. But I said it in a previous, and I'll link this when I share this, you don't lose anything unless and until you sell. And as long as you don't invest more than you can afford to lose, why do you care? Like, like truly, if it's not, if it's throwaway money, why do you care? Honestly, that's the whole, that's the psychological trick. That's what you have to train yourself on. Only invest what you can afford to lose. That way, if you lose it, you don't care. And if it makes you money, you're that much happier because you start to realize that throwaway money can truly make you money. It just takes a little bit longer. So what? If you're trying to make a quick buck, then why were you holding? You should have sold out when it hit peak all-time high, recognizing that it was never going to recover in the short term because no token ever has except for hold, and that locked people from selling it, or earn hub, which locked people from selling it, and then what happened? Both of those had major sellouts after the lock was done. You can't hide from it you can't avoid it you got to choose a strategy and approach for your own financial health in your portfolio either you're going to hold and you're going to ignore and buy dips or you're going to just do quick payout and you shouldn't be holding that means you should have sold at all-time high thus if you didn't you only have yourself to blame no matter how you slice it it's your portfolio you are the one who is empowered to make those decisions and you have to make the right decision at the right time and it is somewhat of a science the trick is to make sure that you are not just following downtrend and saying, okay, it's toast, uh, uh, chicken little, and then sell out in a FOMO panic because you see it's down. The trick, as many of us have learned that have been doing it for a while, because we learned it. I, for me, the learning lesson was easily Satama. You know, 
Jib certainly drew, grew, but I never had a stake that was anywhere near massive. You know, it was a couple thousand dollars, but I still got profit out of it. When I saw it went up a little bit and I needed a little bit of money, I still got profit out of it. So I have nothing to, I got my money back and 10 times over. So I was happy with that take. Could it have been more? Absolutely. Had I not sold anything, would it have been significantly more? Absolutely. But I'm not going to worry about it because I still got 10x profit. Like, I think there's too much focus on this pie in the sky, become a millionaire overnight rush that we've seen kind of like the gold rush of the old days and not enough of just fundamentals. I'm going to put as much as I'm okay losing and I'm just going to ignore it. I'm not going to worry about it and I'll just keep finding projects. That's why I want diverse portfolio to be something you think about guys is you want to just keep finding projects that make sense, but I'm never focused on any one project. I may talk about SHIB if there's something that is, significant we're talking about or i may talk about satama if you know the team has screwed something up or whatever generally speaking that's why i'm talking about these other tokens in places because i want you to be aware that that's what you should be doing you should be out there trying to find other tokens that look like they could be something then you have to decide how much money is worth investing in these guys based on your portfolio based on your tolerance and based on the tokenomics you see and the fundamentals and whether it makes sense to you not me telling you to do it, but that you see that this seems to make sense and it's worth investing in, you should be doing that exact same due diligence. It's never about any one project. And I think there's too many investors out there that just get settled on one project and then they just they just wait to become a millionaire off one and then they chicken little when it goes down. All you're doing is stressing yourself unnecessarily. There's no reason to do that. That's why you want a diverse portfolio because when you have a diverse portfolio, it doesn't matter if any one of them skyrocket or multiple do. At the end of the day, as long as you didn't invest more than you can afford to lose, you just kind of shrug it off and go on and find another one. Tokens are spinning up all the time. We want the tokens to succeed long-term, but you have to recognize that many of them won't for w multiple reasons, whether it's that they do a migration and so now everything's changed in terms of the belief or it's that the devs decide that they abandon it, which has happened on multiple occasions, or they had the wrong marketing plan or they get sued out of business, you know, or they're getting attacked by governments, all sorts of chaos. Because there's all sorts of chaos and because you can't predict it and because you don't know what's happening, you've got to go and seek as every time you can. Seek out different projects and just add them. Just add them. You should have tons of coins in your wallet. Just like you would have tons of different types of cards, potentially, or tons of different types of currencies, levels of currency in your wallet. It's the same thing. Make sure that you are diversifying your portfolio. Don't settle on any one. And to the Kishimoto team, I'm talking the investor team, I would say this to you. If you are still holding, I applaud you for your for your faith and belief in the project because I'm, I'm bullish on it. I think it still has strong potential. But I recognize it's a long haul, and I also recognize it's two freaking months. Like it's not been giving a chance. It's not been given a chance, a real fair chance to fail. And you also want to recognize every token goes through this cycle where whales buy in and then they take a pump and they take the profit and they sell and they'll never come back it every token has it shib had it satama had it this has it floki had it uh, kishu had it yushi had it i could go on and on they all have the same thing especially especially when it starts as an ethereum token because that's where the whales are. That's where the vast majority of the wealth is. And they're just taking profit. They're just taking profit off that initial growth. So they know how to time it and bots that they program 
to invest a $10 or $100 or $1,000 or $10,000, watch the darn thing skyrocket. Instantly, they're made millionaires because, remember, they already have money to begin with. And so they were able to exploit that and then take those millions out of it. Well, then that trashes it, right? The key is not to freak out when that happens. The key is to recognize it's always going to happen. And many tokens have tried to stop that from happening. You're never going to stop it because, unfortunately, if you allow them to buy, they're going to buy. If you try to block them from selling, they're just going to wait until that block's ended, which you're going to have to. And you can do the whole tricks of, okay, you can only sell 1.5% to total. They'll just chunk it out. There's no way to effectively stop that, that kind of a curve that I'm showing on the graph. That's why I want you to look at the graph because you'll see. Go to every single freaking token you can think of that is one of these so-called altcoins, and you'll see the exact same behavior. There's an initial spike, and then it trains back down until it gets to the point where more people are aware of it, and it has more sustained growth over time. It's normal. It's unfortunate, but it's normal. The reason that you don't see things like that on the stock side is because, for the most part, regulation has prevented that from happening, where every time it sees those significant jumps there'll be a halt put in place to stop that from going too high but then the converse is true that means you're blocked from becoming a millionaire too you can't have one without the other either we say it's an unregulated and we should have the opportunity to make that wealth but we understand it's a gamble every time or we try to introduce those halts to try to stop the super wealthy realizing they're still going to be super wealthy anyway just recognize you always have this happen it's normal it's unfortunate, but it's normal. And those who hold, I believe, will get rewarded in the long term from what I can tell. Could I get it wrong? Sure. That's why I want you to do your own research. But from my angle, what I've seen of the team and the tokenomics, I think it's solid. I think it's, I think it's just as solid as Satama. And I, I repeatedly said I'm bullish about Satama. I'm not as keen on the team, but the project, the token, you know, what they're doing, the marketing, I think is all gr good stuff. And them inside a mask, I think we'll have a big shift. And I think 2022 is going to open some eyes to some of these projects that they've, they've held the course and they've weathered the storm through a bear season and they'll come out stronger on the back end. I think this is one of them. They've done a good job with the burns from what I can tell. And they've been very interactive with the community and it looks like they care. And that's important. I believe it's worth it. You need to make up your own mind as to whether it's worth it to you. That's to my, that's my, high-level open letter, Christmas letter to the Kishimoto community, to everybody at large, um, not just Kishimoto, but everybody. I want to wrap up with one note about the crypto space. This is something I thought of, but it didn't warrant a separate episode, and that's influencers. When we talk about an influencer, I want you to understand the difference between an influencer and a general podcaster. I am a general podcaster. I am not paid by any of these tokens to do anything. I'm an investor just like you. I invest at a small scale, purposely so, so that I don't get ripped off. I do that by design. An influencer, by definition, is someone who has a platform, whether that's a YouTube or Dailymotion or a TikTok or a podcast even, who has been paid to shill, as they say, a given project, meaning that you will see all these stupid custom thumbnails on YouTube talking about 100x and 10x this and to the moon this and all that. And usually it's got their face with a shocked something talking about profit potential. These people are not invested in the token directly, meaning they didn't have skin in the game. They didn't buy it. 
they were paid to shill these projects. I want to stress, there's a need for those types of people in order to drum up interest in the token. However, I want to make sure that everybody who listens to this podcast around the world understands how to recognize them and not be directly influenced to buy simply because of their video, meaning that you should trust but verify. Anybody who shills as it is, any project says, no, this is 100x to the moon, and all this nonsense, you should take the data they give you, do your own research. They'll always say, I'm not a financial advisor. Do your own research. They always say that, but you can tell that they are pushing you to a token. It's obvious. In the aggressive push, and then they'll do this type of cut audio garbage. When you see that or you hear that, take the data they're giving you, go to the sources and verify yourself. And this is also why I say you need to make up your own strategy for investment. Because in some cases, what they're shilling might be legitimate. But in other cases, it might be a scam. Or worse, it's not a scam, but it's it's incompetent leadership. A dev team that doesn't know what they're doing. I think that's worse than a scam, frankly, because it's frustrating. A scam is like you expect it, right? But when you have an incompetent leader, they just don't know what the heck they're doing, like with Santa coin. To me, that's more frustrating than scams, true scams. Because it's like, dude, if you're just going to rip me, just rip me. And then it's like, no, I'm not going to rip you. And we can tell they're not, but they're just so incompetent they can't see that they're essentially ripping you off. I digress. Anyhow, when you have these, just know how to recognize these influencers as shills, understand that they are paid. This is a big business, this I'm talking about. There's a big business behind, these people are making a lot of money not on the crypto world, as in their own investments. They're making money because they're paid to shill these tokens. I've had outreaches for, for tokens that they wanted me to, I, I can tell they wanted me to shell it, they didn't say that. It was, hey, can you come talk to us in Discord or Telegram? And I emailed them back and said, hey, look, these are my terms. This is how I work. And if you don't like it, too bad. I'm, if you want to pay me, that's cool, but I'm not going to be unbiased in how I approach it. I'm going to tell the goods and the bads, and you're paying if you choose to because you want the smoke. That's a different thing. But if you're paying just for me to pitch and shill, I'm not going to do it. I don't care how much money it is. It's the principle because I believe my podcast should be neutral. That's why you hear me often say, okay, here's some things you need to fix here. This is some stuff I don't like. Like with Kishimoto, I think they should have a CERTIC audit because I don't think much of Solidity's audit. That's not a ding against them. That's just I think you should do that. Now, of course, the current price movement may make that difficult because Solidity's a lot cheaper than CERTIC because CERTIC is kind of the gold standard. But I think not having the gold standard tends to also hurt certain tokens, right? So I may advocate certain things where I'm not really a fan of the audit chosen, but the fact that it's audit is good. I just think you should do something else. And again, the direct core audience that's targeted, I think may hurt the token. I'll, I will gladly say the goods and the bads of any token I come across because I'm never going to just tell you do this or even present it as perfect. You know, there's been tokens that I think highly of, and I think the team is crap. You've heard me say that, right, Satama? There have been tokens where I think that the token doesn't really do anything, but for whatever reason, it's had organic growth, but it's also made some missteps in communication. That's SHIB. There's been tokens where I have no idea why the community is still supporting it, but it seems to still be running strong. That's SafeMoon. Like, I can clearly say there are pros and cons to every token out there, and certain of these influencers will present a token like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And all I want you to do is be able to recognize when that's happening. They are needed in the industry because they do drum up interest. And by way of interest, you do get volume sales and transactions, which, of course, 
translates to price movement. So I'm not telling them that we shouldn't have them. I'm saying that I want you to be able to recognize when you're being influenced to something that's not to your advantage. Make sure that it makes sense for you. Make up your own mind. Don't just blindly follow what they say. When you hear a 100X, don't listen to that because that's a temporary pump. And it's not long-term sustained healthy growth like I've been saying. And be aware and be informed. Be on the various forums that you can to understand when the developers are talking about different movements they're making because it's your money at the end of the day. But that's all I got for you today. Again, that was my open letter to the Kishimoto community and uh, some other points that I want to make to about just inf informational awareness. I did not want to do a news because it's Christmas and for certain countries that means something very particular. But this one was timely. It was fresh in my mind. I wanted to get it out as quickly as possible. Plus, I wanted to test my new uh, microphone situation. It's the same microphone, but I just kind of, let's say, MacGyvered it a little bit. And I'm pretty pleased with the outcome so far. Any feedback is always welcome. Again, we are at CryptoTalkRadio.net, and we do have a forum. When you go to that link, it's going to give you access to all of our various podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify, so no matter which tool you choose, we are pretty much available everywhere at this point. And we are welcoming guests on the show um, on an increasing basis, so hopefully we get more tokens to kind of come in and talk coming into 2022. I still maintain 2022 will be more exciting than 2021 has been and i believe that the kind of the reconciliation that omicron is not going away has kind of got people to um hold back a little bit but i think that's going to open up a more in 2022 and we're going to see more price movements just hold the course it's a bear season i can't stress it enough i'm firmly of that faith it's a bear season i do think things will recover i do think we're on the on the uptrend and you'll start seeing upward price movements as early as January, early, I'd say second week of January, I believe you're going to see some uptrends. And if you're a holder of any token that you truly believe in, just hold the course. And again, don't just stare at any one project. Get a diverse portfolio. Use the time to go find other things that look good and build out your portfolio. Get a lot of different tokens. Don't just settle on one and hope that it, you, you know, goes to the moon overnight. It's, it's, it's no, we're no longer in that world. It's going to take a long haul for many of these unless you're willing to invest thousands of dollars and then immediately sell out off the all-time high. If you're willing to do that for new products, great. That's your risk decision. But ultimately, just make sure that you cater around what you choose, not what somebody else tells you to do. And if you're holding because you believe in the project, kudos to you. Continue to hold if you believe in the project. It's ultimately your money. You make the decision. Speak with your wallet. Tell the developers what you think by way of your wallet and understand that you matter. At the same time, protect yourself and don't just put yourself into something you don't believe in. If you don't believe in it, sell it and move on. But continue to find projects that you do believe in and just recognize it takes time. Two months is not enough time. You're going to be minimum five months on any of these projects if you're a long-haul holder. Otherwise, you should just sell at the moment hit all-time high. Regardless of any of the above that I just said, always keep in mind, You've not lost anything unless and until you sell. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Any other you can think of. Enjoy time with your family. If you don't celebrate the holiday specifically, enjoy time with your family. Do something that is not work or business related. Try not to anyway. I know I've worked on Christmas before. But try to do something that is personal and fun and, and get away from it all and just relax your brain and enjoy what's coming i think good times are coming we're dealing with very challenging times but i believe sunny days are ahead here's a tip 
binge Bob Ross. There's a guy called, I think it's Nick Hankins, I believe his name. There's a guy who's doing more Bob Ross paintings now, just in the style of the old. So binge Bob Ross. Trust me, it, it relaxes you more than you think. 